Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Why does a wealthy country like Australia allow its unemployed workers to struggle in poverty without trying to create jobs? You may well ask. Unemployed Workers Fight Back is the Australian Unemployed Workers Union program, part of the sewer program on every second Friday of the month, 5.30pm on 3CR Community Radio. Our social security system is being defunded, privatised and dismantled and the poor and vulnerable are being criminalised and trampled upon. The Australian Unemployed Workers Union is focused on helping unemployed and underemployed workers deal effectively with the job agencies, empowering them to fight back for their rights. Remember, unemployed workers fight back every second Friday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR Community Radio. Good afternoon, you're with Valerie Farfalla on Unemployed Workers Fight Back, a monthly program that's part of the Sewer Project on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am digital podcast and streaming live from 3cr.org.au and available online tomorrow. And today we have some special guests. We have um, Anne Bainbridge, Chief Executive Officer of YAXA, that's the Youth Affairs Council of South Australia, she'll be on at about 6 Ewan Clowes, the Advocacy Officer with the AUWU, and, of course, Anne Maxwell, who is the uh, Acting Victorian State Coordinator of the AUWU. And then later we'll have a chat with Hayden Patterson, the National Branch Coordinator of the AUWU, based in South Australia, and he's going to tell us about his trip over to Sojuna and all about the cashless welfare card and what happened there. So welcome, guests. It's wonderful to see you all. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, it's a pleasure. So, so many things are happening, and um, I understand um, Owen Bennett has um, he's been called away for something urgent at the moment. But we were going to discuss uh, first of all the event we're having uh, next month. Anne, can yes. you tell us a bit about this? It's called From Stigma to Dignity. Sure, Valerie. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, the AUWU ahead of Anti Poverty Week. Uh, in October is going to have an event we're calling an Activist Expo where we're going to get a whole lot of people who are working on the front line uh, to counter the structural um, effects of poverty and we'll have a bunch of really good people speaking on a panel uh, and the highlight of the event which will be at uh, Trades Hall in Carlton uh, will be a version of the New Start Choir so Trades Hall uh, choir is going to help us out with that and they're going to be singing a fabulous song that's really rousing to try and wake uh, the ALP and other political parties up about the fact that the rate of New Start is uh, a third below the poverty line like it's not even at the poverty line and all we're asking for is to be raised to the poverty line mm. so yeah to wake well, them up it'd have to be a punk rock song <laughs> it's really urgent isn't it Anne and, and the yeah. fact is that um, 
Anti-Poverty Network in South Australia has done a wonderful job getting 60 singers to put this together. It's based on the It's Time from Whitlam, of course. Yes. So and, there's, um, yep. It's certainly time for a revolution. But I think the Greens are supporting an increase of $100 to New Start, but we're yes. needing a lot more than that, yes. aren't we? Yeah. To get to that poverty line, you need at least $130 a week. Imagine that. You don't even have that at the moment. Mm. So uh, that's the, that's what we're asking as the AUWU. Um, there are a lot of different organisations out there who are understanding the need for a raise. Uh, the the business community is looking at $50 a week. Some of the non-profits are looking at 75 And we're really pushing just to get it to the poverty line. Yep. Mm. Well, mm. I think it's important that we it works on a uh, like the Henderson poverty line they use a formula to get to that figure, whereas if you just have a one figure, a, a one um, dollar figure, mm-hmm. like, because it varies all the time. Correct. You know, yeah. it could be more. Yes, and if, the reason the... If it's less, we'll take the more. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It really needs to be a lot more, doesn't it? Though? Yes, um, and the, yeah, the reason it got to be so low was how the, it got calculated in, in the beginning. And so the old joke is that if you want to destroy a social security payment, you just index it to the CPI, which yes. is what happened with Newstart. Yeah. And what that means is a pretty well flatlined for 25 years. So unlike, say, the aged pension, where they indexed it to uh, the average wage, that went up so, along mm. with costs of living. Mm. So as we saw, like with the, um, the Anglican uh, report where they looked at whether you could afford housing in any major capital city throughout Australia. Last couple of months ago, I think, they found that there were literally, I think, about three houses in either Melbourne, Sydney um, or Adelaide that anyone could even afford if they were on Newstart alone. And where's the Labor government here? Because the Labor government would have an opportunity to come in, but it obviously doesn't think it's necessary. We we know the LNP hasn't put its hand up to increase Newstart. Um, I would have thought this was a very important issue, especially with homelessness. And this particular um, event from Stigma to Dignity is really timed for Anti-Poverty Week. We're dealing with issues such as homelessness and public housing and all of these sorts of things. And some of our speakers will be the groups Fair Go for Pensioners, First Nations Alliance, the Council for Single Mothers and Their Children. And this is all um, in the first panel, which will be problems and solutions and then we've got one later called activists and allies and we've got some some confirmed people there too so we're really hoping that you'll come along to this show victoria trades hall 54 victoria street carlton on the 12th of october it runs from 12 noon to 5 p.m and there's a couple of launches i think we're you and i think we're launching um the auwu unemployed workers rights an updated edition of the booklet yeah, we've been working on the booklet. It's really hard. Like our, uh, the edition we have at the moment was um, last updated in October last year, so we're pretty uh, well behind the April uh, updated then. Uh, but the problem we have is that they change the, the rules all the time. They change the guidelines and the deeds and the law. That often it's really hard for us uh, to keep up to date with, with the changes. So we're really looking forward to that. So with the recent demerit points that were introduced in July, does that mean there's got to be a lot of changes regarding that in the booklet? Uh, yeah, with the demerit points. Like there's, they had changes that came out in March. They had changes that came out in the 1st of June. Uh, and there's going to be changes coming out on the 20th of September. 
So it, they just continuously change the goalposts on us. So it's so we continuously really update the book, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, continuously research. One of the big things about the changes, though, is now that the private job agencies uh, don't have any oversight from the government. Is that right? In terms of um, people going to job agencies and and um, perhaps copying a fine or, or something like that or a breach, they, ca- they have nowhere to appeal now. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's it's look. It's become really um, difficult for the both the agents and unemployed people to uh, to stick to their um, compliances because they've tightened this. The agencies used to have a lot of discretion, and they've, the Department of Jobs and Small Business has taken that leniency away from them. And I can give you an example. Uh, I went into my agent. Uh, I, I got breached the other day. For, um, what for? For um, not getting my job searches in on time. Now, I had a verbal agreement with, with my agency that you would just bring your job searches in if, if your appointment doesn't fall by the due date, just bring them in the next time. That's been taken away. Now, on my when my job searches uh, are due, they have to... Because man- they, they used to have five days le- leniency after the due date to, to record that you put your job searches in. Yeah. Or if you're for an appointment, they've taken that five days away. So the then that gave the uh, at the agents um, some leeway to con- give you time to contact you to get you a reason from you and to re-engage. So that's been taken away from. So now when you go to your appointment or you've got to put your job searches in, the agent has to hit the button to send a send to send a link that day by the close of that business day. If they don't do it then it's an automatic breach, which is sent not by the agent but sent by Centrelink. And, we, and my agent said she, she, she got they were bombarded by phone calls, but they didn't even know that that, that criteria had changed and they were bombarded by phone calls of uh, their clients saying, oh, I've just been breached, what for? Mm. And, was, and they had to call Centrelink, the agent had to call Centrelink to say, what's going on? We know we've got over 100 phone calls of people being breached and then it had to be told. So they just didn't even know to adjust to that. And those breaches, uh, you know, you get five breaches and you you, you, you can get um, your payments, you know, cut and all that. So And, and it's not just the, the cut of the payments that, that you could get, but it's that that fear and stress that people get, oh, no, I've been breached. You know, and, and, and that continuous fear, oh, where's the next one going to come from? Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, it's it's shocking. We've had lots of complaints, haven't we, through our website, unemployedworkersunion.com. And the hotline, yeah. Yeah, and the hotline. Now, your role as uh, the advocacy officer, Ewan, yeah. um, you work hard on that. Uh, it's a hotline that we have available. Yeah. From uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., but if you call outside those hours, it does go to a message bank where you can leave a message, and we do get back to every single phone call that comes through so I've got the number here it's zero three that's Melbourne eight three nine four five two double six but we have workers uh, we have hotline workers all around Australia yeah don't yeah, we yeah and yeah. they're working on the hotline yeah yeah yeah, yeah they're great it's a great contribution to uh, by, by our volunteers and we've also and got a terrific unemployed workers rights guide which I've talked about before, but you can get access to it on the unemployedworkersunion.com site. And it's really great because it deals with the job active agencies and what they're required to provide, mutual obligations that they 
they have to provide something for us as well as us providing something for them. That's in the service guarantee, yeah. Yeah, and there's, there's a whole lot of information in there about your eligibilities and, and how you can write to the job agencies and, um, and reject your job plan mm. and um, negotiate it, all sorts of things like that that can help you. Yeah, well, the the the, um, the object of the of the union, or uh, we actually don't do like a, a normal union. You would call up, like a trade union, you would call up and say, "I'm having trouble with the boss," and the the um, delegate or shop steward would step in and help you out, and maybe and contact the boss and you know um, rectify the situation. But with the AUWU, what we tend to do is direct people where to go to get the information. So that they can be self-empowered to be able to go into the um, to confront their uh, their job agents and say, "Look, what you're making us me do here isn't within the the guidelines or within the D or, or social security law, and I want my job plan adjusted." And so, by empowering the, the people to do it themselves and research themselves, each time they go into their Agents, they feel stronger and they can stand up to the bullying tactics. What they are really are compliance officers for Centrelink, and by, and so they have all these compliance measures on unemployed people, which doesn't necessarily help them find a job. It's the old carrot and stick. There's no carrot. It's just stick. So that um, where we say that the agencies, job agencies, should be um, the work that they do should be namesake which is job agencies where they actually help you find a job and also uh, source out local work for the unemployed person. So uh, there's important events coming up that are very much to do with this. The Department of Jobs and Small Business manage the job active contract. Uh, Kelly O'Dwyer is now the Minister and uh, this is important Anne isn't it in terms of um, any of our listeners Yes, yes, exactly. It's quite a huge uh, change that's coming down the pipeline through the Department of Jobs and Small Business. So anyone who's fronting up to a uh, job agent at the moment, they're on Newstart or Youth Allowance or DES, they, um, all those negotiations that happen at the table, all those interactions that are going on, they are actually driven by uh, the Job Active Deed which is the contract between the department and these privatised or sometimes not-for-profit agencies, which, as Ewan was just explaining, are driven by their bottom uh, dollar or their bottom line. So um, what the, what's happening now is that that contract runs out in 2020, so the department is gearing up to write the new contract, which will last another five years to 2025, and so they've put a, quite a big effort into um, that process. They've been going for, I think, over a year now. They've created a panel and they've been doing consultations with industry and uh, only with the unemployed workers because we asked to be part of it, not because we were invited. Uh, and we've tried to have some input. Um, <clears throat> what's coming down, it's, they're, they're calling this process Future Employment Services. You can Google that. If you Google Future Employment Services um, and possibly the name of the department, Jobs and Small Business, you'll uh, find where that's been going on. The submission process is now closed, so unfortunately you can't put your submissions in for that anymore. But there is one uh, which you can talk about too. This is the Senate Committee on Employment, 
and they uh, the submissions close on the 28th of September. Correct. So tell us about that. Yes, so uh, the submissions, yes, they are still open. So this, again, is a Senate inquiry at the federal level. Uh, this is probably one of the biggest openings that people who have suffered at the hands of the job agents, uh, for them to tell their stories. This is one of the biggest, uh, most important, most influential places where any unemployed person um, within the last three years, because it is the Job Active contract, so the Job Active contract began... Um, 2015. 2015. So since, if you had anything to do with a job agent since 2015... Uh, you can write to the Senate inquiry and tell them how it was for you because what they really need is the stories. They need lots of the stories in order to understand that this is a systemic issue. It's not about one particular caseworker. It's not about one particular unemployed people. This is an issue that is a is a $6 billion systemic um, bureaucratic industry. Yeah, uh, and it's very important to... Um Make your views known on this for the Senate inquiry because it closes on the 28th of September and this is really vital. And um, and how can people get onto this um, website so they can make a complaint yes. and, and tell their story? Yes. So the best way to find it is just go to Google and Google Job Active Senate Inquiry. Job Active is one word. Yes. And it'll probably pop up with that in the first uh, search that you do. And that'll put you onto the government webpage, and that will describe what they call terms of reference. All, term, yeah, all, all, all the um, instructions are there. All the instructions yeah. are there on that page. And really all you're going to be doing is writing out your story, logging on and posting it to them, or you can write it out and um, put it on paper and mail it to them. They'll have their mailing address there. Oh, that's really excellent. And there's just one more um, Interesting thing that's very interesting. Per capita, mm-hmm. we've we've had some per capita people on this show before. It's a left wing think tank, thank goodness. And mm-hmm. uh, researchers have worked with our president Owen Bennett to write a report, and that's going to be launched on the twentieth of September at ten thirty a.m. at Morris Blackburn in the city. And this is a critique of Job Active. Um, and this is. Um, as Anne said, you can't call them employment services, they're compliance services. Exactly. And also they're very demonising and we know just how anxious and how um, demoralised mm-hmm. a lot of these job seekers are yes. well, because was, there's 17 applicants for every job. The government's acting as if you could just get a job and you'd, you're a job mm-hmm. snob yeah. and all of this absolute mm-hmm. nonsense. When it's not the case, people are, yes. are falling over themselves to get all this red tape and going along to job clubs and all of these mm-hmm outcomes that the job agencies get paid for and it doesn't actually help the job seekers to get a job in fact many job seekers find they're better off getting their own job without the job agency isn't that right exactly well as you said it's all stick and no carrot and it's even worse than that i think because like you just said there's one job seeker on average for every 17 jobs available that goes up to 200 jobs when you're looking at uh, some of the public service jobs yeah so you're asking people to do something impossible and then you're punishing for them for it when they can't do it. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's cruel, actually. It's very and, cruel. Uh, so that report that you're mentioning, which was uh, written in conjunction with the AUW, with the union, mm. uh, that is one of the first reports that actually documents what's going on. So now we have hard evidence. So it's not just about a lot of people um, talking anecdotally. This is uh, uh, quite esteemed researchers 
have uh, conducted really thorough surveys to have a look at what's going on. And the conclusion that they've come up with, surprise, surprise, not too different from what we've understood from the hotline and so on, is that what is happening out there is not an employment service, although they will like to call themselves an employment service industry. It is like Ewan said, it's a compliance industry. So it, Compliance for Centrelink. Compliance for Centrelink, exactly. Yeah. So, so this report discovers that nobody is getting help uh, with their employment um, prospects, um, very rarely anyway, and that mostly, in the, as you said, it can actually be detrimental to your prospects for getting employment because these compliance measures, they often um, make people so anxious and depressed that, you know, you can barely just function. Plus, you know, you're functioning on a very low rate of pay as well. Oh, how destructive. I think you probably had a had bit of a say in the research there too, didn't you, Anne? You're a researcher too. <laughs> yes, I, I would like – I wasn't actually as closely involved with that project, but we had um, – uh, lots of good people giving their feedback um, and their personal stories going into that research. Did you mm. want to say something? Yeah, I good? think it was with. Uh, I always uh, like to say uh, with about agencies, it's a very good example of privatisation gone wrong. Yeah. Where we used to have uh, the Commonwealth Employment Service, which was actually like a store where you could go in and uh, shop around for a job, where they had uh, the boards up, there were all the local work. Uh, available jobs are up on boards and you can walk around and, and look in your industry or interstate jobs and when you found a job you got the you wrote the number down took it to the counter and the person at the counter would actually call that company up and arrange a, and um, promote you and they would arrange a job interview for you and away you went with the job interview you go to the job now the private job agencies what we have now they don't do that. Mm. They're only there to monitor your efforts to find a job. And what about and work also, for the doll too? Oh well, that's that's a yeah. Well, that's another compliance measure on that. But where? But my, my my point being, with the old CES, you you were quite free to come and go. There was no compliances at all. So mm. you were quite happy to go in there and have a look around for for work. And sometimes, I, I'm, from my personal experience, you would you would spend a lot of time in there. You know, and it was a sometimes it was a hub where you could meet your friends and and um, you know talk about you know have a sense it, of community and connection it, with people. Sort of, yeah, yeah. If, mm. You know, if you I oh, have a look at this job, have a look at that job. Yeah. You know, whereas now, it's it, you, you want to avoid your job agent um, like the play because you go in there, you're just in fear of. Oh, well, for a start, you're only allowed to go in there um, when you when you have an appointment. Because they're so booked up in time, you just can't. They can't fit you in outside of an appointment day. You're, you're constantly in fear of what are they going to hit you up with next? What are they going to make me do next that I don't want to do? That is going to be absolutely useless for me in uh, finding me a job. Okay, so our next guest that we're going to have in a minute is um, Anne Bainbridge, Chief Executive Officer of YAXA, Youth Affairs Council of South Australia, and she has some interesting comments as well because. Um, they did a report on submission to the federal government's Future Employment Services Advisory Panel. I'm fine, thanks, Valerie. It's a pleasure talking to you. Um, I'm Valerie Farfalla from Unemployed Workers Fight Back, and I have a couple of other guests in here with me who were keen to contribute as well. It's Ewan Clowes, Advocacy Officer with the Australian Unemployed Workers Union, and Anne Maxwell, who's the Victorian State Coordinator of the AUWU, and Anne, I was very interested in um, the YAXA report on the submission to the federal government's future impl panel. 
and uh, I saw it written up in an article in um, a news um, a newspaper, South Australian commentary, and called the In Daily, Australia's oh. Adelaide's Independent News, with an article by Stephanie Richards. And uh, I wonder if you could tell us about that survey, that YAXA survey of around 40 young job seekers. Yeah, thanks, Valerie. We were really keen when we saw the consultation on employment services in in Australia um, to hear directly from young people about their experiences. Um, And we're very grateful for the 40 young people who graciously shared their stories with us at short notice. Um, We're a bit devastated that the responses from young people were as negative as they were they're clearly not being catered to in that system and it's become quite a demoralizing experience for them you've said employment services were regularly characterized as being a hindrance with some young people reporting they had secured employment without provider intervention yeah and we heard that quite a bit actually there was certainly more than one of those 40 young people that said that they'd found work despite being involved with uh, employment services This tallies in with our views at the Unemployed Workers' Union, of course, uh, with people dealing with the job agencies. Um, And one person in your... um, One respondent apparently said, the service made me feel degraded. They told me I was asking too much for a salary. I asked for 45000 per year. There was no support for someone who has two degrees but struggles to get into the market. And another person said, employment services are only there to tick boxes. Well, that's a common experience, isn't it? Uh, It is, unfortunately, Um, and I guess if you consider that the jobs market is so flat at the moment and there are literally more people looking for jobs than there are available jobs, um, then it's pretty clear that employment services end up focusing on compliance and surveillance, really. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Uh, One person, uh, one respondent said, they were callous, disconnected and disinterested in my needs and ability. And people are labelled job snobs, aren't they? And it's just so crass, really, when people just want to get work. It's just so insulting. It's really insulting. And it, it's concerning to us that the system doesn't take into account the current context. Um, and, you know, really, we've had an employment crisis that's urgent for many years now and there's been an increase in casual work for young people and a decrease in the number of entry-level jobs that are available. So now we've got a situation where young people with degrees are getting jobs that young people with limited or no qualifications would ordinarily get and the whole system is spiralling out of control. Well, I understand the unemployment rate in some of Adelaide's suburbs are really bad, with Adelaide's north, 18.4%. West, 17%, and the southern suburbs, 16.9%. That's um, shocking high youth unemployment, isn't it? It's absolutely shocking. Um, And we're in an interesting position because the August unemployment figures have just come out and, um, you know, mainstream paper talks about the rate in South Australia remaining steady, but it has, in fact, increased again for 15 to 24-year-olds, up 0.8% to 12.8%. Um, it's certainly not as high as it has been in the last 12 months, um, but it's it's a bit devastating to be celebrating a 12.8% unemployment rate for 15 to 24-year-olds. One other thing you've mentioned, well, your group has mentioned, young people are not the problem. The lack of jobs for young people is the problem. 
and we're talking about st- systemic issues, aren't we? Mm. Oh, we absolutely are. Um, and I think the federal government has made their position on young people who are unemployed pretty clear, um, starting in 2014 with uh, hockey's lifters and leaners yeah. narrative. Um, they're certainly suggesting that young people are unemployed because they're simply not trying hard enough to find work, and that is obviously not true. Young people absolutely want to work. Um, and that's, you know, what I was saying before about our concern about systems not taking current contexts into account. It's um, There are simply not enough jobs and it's um, unfortunate that young people are being blamed for that. So, you know, all of our advocacy in this area has tried to reinforce the fact that it's not young people's fault. Under an LNP government now in South Australia, um, is this going to be an increasing, increasingly bad problem? I mean, we've we've always talked about the government creating jobs, but that doesn't go together with free enterprise, does it? No, it doesn't really. Um, there's been some... Um, we've just had the budget released uh, in South Australia and there are certainly some initiatives there that are looking at creating jobs. There's been a lot of conversation about defence industry jobs in South Australia mm-hmm. um, and the state government has committed um, $203 million to traineeships and apprenticeships for young people. Um, it's early days yet. Um, the election was in March and as I said, the budget was only just released last week. So we're keen to have conversations with the new government about what that means for young people and to make sure that whatever apprenticeships or traineeships are created as a result of this injection of funds that some are quarantined for young people who have been looking for work for some time and are doing it tough. Now, one thing that I was looking at the SA budget as well, there are some things that make it harder for young people. For example, uh, regarding education, the laptop for schools program is to be ceased, the safe schools Uh program will be axed, and seven TAFE campuses are being closed down. That's very unlikely to help people in the regional areas, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, I agree, and I think four of those TAFE campuses are in um, out-of-metro regional areas, so that is a challenge. Um, And one of those campuses is actually in the area where we expect the defence jobs to be housed, so that's... um, How how ludicrous. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. And also, um, travel costs. I understand... um, Mm-hmm. Um, if you're redu- reducing um, transport for people, that mm-hmm. makes it even more difficult. Yeah, and some of those underutilised uh, public transport routes are going to be cut as well. So um, we don't have any specific information about what that looks like now or if there's going to be some way to address the added disadvantage that those closures and cuts have for young people. Um, so, you know, we're hoping there'll be some good news in amongst that bad news. Yes, of course you are. Um, mm. And um, <clears throat> you've got the Anti-Poverty Network over there in South Australia. They're doing a fine job, aren't they? They sure are. They're very active. It's good. Do you work together, um, YAXA and Anti-Poverty Network? Uh, we are certainly in touch with each other and keep each other informed about what's going and we support the Anti-Poverty Network's work wherever we can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do any of you two have anything to say or, or to ask Anne? Yeah. She's the um, CEO of Yaxa. Yeah. yeah. I, I run... The, uh, hi, Anne. Um, I, this is I, Ewan. Yes. Uh, I, I organise the hotline, so I get a lot of calls um, coming in and, and I... I 
get a good feel of uh, what's going on. In the and one striking uh, point that I wanted to make, uh, two actually, and one we actually we, we got a phone call once of a work for the Dole supervisor, and he called us because he was absolutely sick and tired of young people coming into his work for the Dole site that um, that were saying oh that they want to go and study and do and further their studies. And he said, well, why don't you? And they said, oh, my job agent has told me that I'm, I'm not allowed to do that. Once I'm on the Work for the Dole program, I have to see it through for that six months. So that Work for the Dole, which we see as slave labour, um, is, is the agency using that to block uh, young people from going back to further studies, which, I, which is absolutely abominable. Um, mm-hmm. and, the, and the other one in concern of uh, Work for the Dole and with... The uh, job agencies before they even get onto the work for the, when they uh, young people get onto the work for the dull phase, they're not giving them the alternatives that they can do. Like, oh, you know, why don't you go and study, um, which will be better for you, or um, do some other activity. And the reason is the biggest money spinner for job agencies if they can get you in a full time job. And as we know, these days that's pretty difficult. And the second biggest money spinner is work for the dull. So they push people onto, and they don't get much. I don't think they get very much at all if you go and do study. So oh. it's in the, it's in the, it's again, it's in the best interests of the agents for themselves to force people to do activities that aren't in the interest of the unemployed person. Do you have much to do with these issues, Anne? Oh, we've certainly heard from young people that those issues are impacting them and I guess the thrust of our submission, because the the consultation that happened was about future employment services and we certainly suggested that there should be more flexibility, um, which is what we're talking about now, isn't it? Yes. If if you want to do some training and, and that's what you want to do and that's going to help you get work, then you shouldn't have to finish one bit in order to do the next bit. If this... If the services are set up to support young people and prepare them for work, then they should be flexible enough to provide the services that young people need instead of just working off the script. Do you have any idea why the seven TAFE campuses were closed? That sounds like quite a dramatic thing, doesn't it? Uh, Well, the previous government closed 14, I think. Oh, did they? um, Yeah, so this is a bit of a... A trend in South Australia, the reason that the current government gave for the closures was underutilisation. So um, apparently not many people have been attending those campuses. Oh, um, so it's not cost effective to keep them open. But as I said before, our concern then is what happens to the people who would study in those areas and how can we support them to to get to other campuses or to train in other areas so that they don't miss out. Well, yeah, or, or perhaps um, uh, subsidised transport, uh, because they don't yeah, have they trains don't. and things and trams like they have in Melbourne, do they? It's just buses. and. No, we don't. It's buses, yeah. So perhaps you, they need to have increased buses to support those people going to other tapes. <laughs> yeah, I think the big conversation for us will be about the traineeships and apprenticeships um, you know, to make sure that the young people that we are talking about right now um, yeah. have access to those those traineeships and apprenticeships and the support that goes with it. 
Well, thank you very much for talking to Unemployed Workers Fight Back, and we'll be in touch with you um, during the course of this year and next, Anne, because we're following through on submissions to the Senate and things as well. So, um, Excellent. That would be great. So let's stay in contact. Okay. Thanks, Valerie. It was great to chat. Cheers. Thank you. Great to talk to you too. Thank you. The Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is continuing its Stop Failing Our Kids campaign until this year's Victorian state election. We're asking people to sign an online petition and to send postcards to Premier Daniel Andrews, calling for his government to abandon plans to build a $288 million youth prison at Cherry Creek. We want that money directed to culturally appropriate programs to address the underpinning issues rather than incarcerating children. For more information and to sign the petition, visit Istra Melbourne's Facebook page. Postcards are available at 3CR and locations listed at istramelbourne.com. Premier, it's time your government stopped failing the kids. Mr. Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. You're back with Valerie Fafala and Unemployed Workers Fight Back. And, uh, oh, that was interesting to talk to um, to Anne, wasn't it? Not yeah. this Anne. Yeah. Other oh, Anne. this Anne yeah. as well. You know, um, Valerie, I always think I'm never going to be shocked working in this area of social justice and social security. And every time I hear another story, it does actually shock me. Yeah. And just listening to what she's talking about, where they're defunding education mm. and then putting more money into defence spending. Oh, it's sickly, um, isn't it? You know, I think the union, we're always looking um, to, you know, to ask the government for real jobs that have meaning for people. Yeah. And I wouldn't call defence spending a real, you know, it's not a real job for a lot of people. And I really feel for all those young people out there that, you know, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. That's right. It's It's awful. Um, now, also, we've got something very interesting coming up. Um, uh, as we know, with poverty and homelessness and public housing, public housing is a very big issue. And um, so uh, the Public Interests Before Corporate Interests, PIPSI, it aims to ensure the interests of the Australian public are put before the interests of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders. So they're very much on our, um, you know, social justice bandwagon as well, which is very important. And, of course, that's led by Dr Joe Toscano. So we're going to be working closely with him, and I think and hope that he will be addressing our terrific conference from Stigma to Dignity also on the 12th of October. And then we will work together with him uh, in the interests of public housing because that seems to be going down the drain now, without us really knowing what's happening. So exactly. the state government and the opposition have been trying to hide it under the carpet. We've seen, you know, places like Flemington where some of the land's privatised and sold off and the Oval gets, you know, privatised and sold for profits. This is happening everywhere. And before we know it, we won't have any public housing at all. It'll all be privatised and still out of the reach people who are unemployed because we know if you're a new start how can you possibly afford three hundred dollars a week or something like this it's ludicrous no you can't get 268 yeah and and landlords won't even look at you to go on a lease so even if a group of you do get together um and you can afford a lease you're often discriminated against as well that's right so joseph joe toscano is saying that um the actual 2018 victorian state election held on Saturday 24th of November, it's not far away, 
It'll be dominated by a law and order and infrastructure debate. Unfortunately, he says, housing is not on the agenda um, of both the Victorian Labor Party government and the Liberal National Party opposition, although more than 30% of voters believe it's a major issue. But they're just ignoring it. And we've seen the federal government do this as well, just take no notice of what the public wants in terms of asylum seekers and other things. So Joe's saying, in order to ensure public housing, public housing is a significant issue in the Victorian state election. Public interest before corporate interest, PIBSI, has launched the Public Housing Everyone's Business campaign. And this is designed to make public housing a major election issue. Now, Joe says that even some of the socialist groups haven't um, made this number one. And he thinks that Pipsy's the only one that's doing it. So I think unemployed workers, we really need to get behind it because we're, we're dealing with homeless people yeah. as well, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, the attacks on, uh, on ordinary working people coming from all directions, including housing and un- unemployment and social security. So it'd be great for us all to be working together. And that's part of the reason that we're having the October 12th event yeah. is to get a lot of these groups all in one room understanding what we're all doing and seeing what we can all do together. Exactly. All these social activist groups, Fago for Pensioners, First Nations Alliance, Council of Single Mothers and Their Children, hopefully the Homeless Persons Union and the Electrical Trades Union, uh, a lot of these others are so important. But getting back to the public housing, what they're going to do is they're holding a 10-day rally vigil from 12 p.m. Wednesday 14th November to 12 a.m. Saturday 24th of November. And where are they doing it? On the steps of Victorian Parliament. Great. So this is going to be a great event. We're going to get the media and hopefully 3CR and all of the groups and hopefully we'll have some musicians and um, theatre acts and all sorts of things. It'll be fun for the whole family, I think. Yeah, I think it will. And uh, Joe's suggesting use Victorian stamp duty revenue, that's $6 billion plus per year, for public housing. House 1 million Victorians in public housing by 2029. Now, wouldn't that be a good use of the $6 billion from the stamp duty for public housing? That seems fair. It does, doesn't it? So as you can see, Australian Unemployed Workers Union (coughs) is looking after you listeners in many ways and we we do need your help though and um, we'd like you to get involved in the unemployed workers union by contacting us Mm -hmm. on com, or if you want the hotline and you have an issue with job agencies i've got a number in my little book here my unemployed workers writer's guide and it's zero three eight three nine four five two double six and you can contact our advocacy hotline if you have any issues with job agencies and if you go to our website you'll see that we've got um, template letters a bit like legal letters not exactly legal but but they will help you frame your problems with the job agencies into a decent letter uh, and you should always keep keep an email copy of your dealings with the job agencies or Centrelink mm-hmm. so that you um, can't be pushed around and bullied You've got it on record. You've yeah. got it in writing. Exactly, Valerie, yeah. And the, and the templates are helpful as well. In addition, we've got lots of stories on our website of people um, in the similar position mm, and how they've dealt with it. Yeah, it's very important if um, you've got a significant story to tell to um, go to it's your stories, I think, is the tab on the, on the website and um, put your story up there. Also, Facebook, we've got, um, I think, the last count we get about... F- 
uh, nearly 500,000 hits a week. Oh, heavens, that's yeah. terrific. Yeah, so um, if that's, that's another uh, avenue to be able to be in contact with the union and other like-minded people. And it's one of the things that we um, we find that people contact the union, they've never heard of us before, they've had nowhere to... They get bumped around the system and they don't know where to go and they um, find us through a search engine or word of mouth. And um, by the time we've, I wouldn't say educated, but we've shown them their rights, told them, explaining their rights, uh, where to get their, their information and um, to study them and that. Um, after a while, when they become self-empowered, they actually become advocates themselves because they can go to other people that are in the boat. They can so, help other people too. That's right. So, and yeah, that, that's right. So it's, it's, um, it spreads out. Yeah. yeah, so in Melbourne, of course, we're all volunteers at the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. And Anne, how many how many people are members of the union? Oh, well, we're quite proud to say that we have over 11,000 members Australia-wide at the moment. Mm-hmm. And a great many of them are active and a lot of them are in branches around the country. So you don't have to be in Melbourne. You don't have to be in Sydney. You can be anywhere to be um, active in the union. Um, and there's lots of things you can do uh, if you're in a regional area. Um, so we have um, many things going on on the website, and one of the things we've got going on is some of our latest print materials. So wherever you are, you can always go to the website, download uh, and print either the rights booklet or our demerit point uh, leaflet, and we often encourage people um, to hang out at their uh, local um, shopping centre where there might be a job provider or something like that Um, and you can just stand in the street. It's your right to stand in the street and hand out the booklet to people that you think might be able to use it or to hand out the brochure or the leaflet on the um, demerit points. And you can do that anywhere in Australia and what you'll find, it's like uh, Ewan has just said, you'll you'll become an advocate because you'll get into conversations with other unemployed people and you can educate yourselves and each other about how to not let the system boss you around and, and beat you down. So it's a way of being assertive in fighting against that terrible beating down it, and becoming proud and free, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. And mm. we encourage people, if they are doing this, to actually, if, you, if you're up for it, take a photo of yourself doing it and email that to the Unemployed Workers Union. You'll see our emails on the website as well. And we'll put your photo up there. And we've had lots of great photos of people all over the country doing some wonderful things with our materials. And if you're in Melbourne, we have the Melbourne branch meetings at Trades Hall on Friday afternoon, which is the second Friday in the month from 3 o'clock till about 5. And you can come along and and, uh, get involved and meet some of the other terrific volunteers who you'll find you probably have lots in common with. Yeah, so, it's great when we all get together because um, I think it's really only someone else who's been through the system that really understands where you are. And so you, you'll get a lot of support just um, from coming along to meetings and being able to share your stories. So I want to thank very much Anne Maxwell and Ewan Close from coming on from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union and also, of course, Anne Bainbridge. Thank you very much and until next month. Um, Don't forget, from Stigma to Dignity, uh, our Anti-Poverty Week event from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union, Friday the 12th of October, Employment Services Advisory.